everyone. Welcome back to the Galaxy's Greatest Podcast, the podcast about the two 90s space station shows, Babylon 5 versus Star Trek DS9. But this week, we're not talking about either of those. Instead, we're doing a bonus episode on the season two premiere of Star Trek Picard. I am Bob from Cascadia. That's Matt from the Southland on the line. How are you doing tonight, Matt? Uh, I am still on the fence about all this, Bob. I don't know. Oh, okay. I thought you would be more enthusiastic than than me. That's that's interesting that you're on the fence too. I'm on the fence, uh, and I'll probably be on the fence until probably halfway through the season. That's so, tell the listeners what your take on Star Trek Picard season one was, Matt. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought the android body thing was kind of weird, but fun. I like seeing. I like the nostalgia of seeing all the. Uh, the old characters, Riker, Troy. Did Troy show up? Yeah, Troy. Yeah, she <laughs> make sure I'm sure the right at thing. Troy, all these, you know, seeing all the old characters come back and taking on the same roles. And then some of the newer characters were kind of neat. I mean, I like the, uh, you had the, uh, the the Romulan kiddo. What is his name? Eleanor. <laughs> Eleanor. You or saw Eleanor. Me? No, El- I. Eleanor. Yeah. Eleanor. You had Eleanor. You know, you had the, uh, the other, the, the, what's her, the, so here's the, here's the issue I have with these shows, Bob. When there's this long space between seasons, I cannot remember anyone's damn name. Who was the, uh, curly haired woman, blonde doctor? She killed uh, the, Agnes Girati. Agnes Girati, yeah, she was kind of cool. Yep. She murdered her husband, or murdered her uh, boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, but she got cleared of it, Matt. She was being driven crazy by an, an alien force. Yeah, yeah, there was all that involved. We had the Borg. We had Seven and Nine come back. I mean, there was a lot of just little, like, boom, 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 nostalgia shots. Yeah, yeah. I I will say that I started out pretty much enjoying Picard. By the end of it, I was more on the meh side. I thought the end was pretty dumb. I thought Picard in a robot body was pretty dumb. I also, they say that they have a three-season plan for this show. I don't believe that. I think they're just throwing whatever against the wall. I kind of wish they would stop lying to us. Um, <laughs> but, I'm so I'm not super excited about this show. I'm trying to keep my expectations low uh, so I don't turn into, like, some sort of annoying fanboy who's crying about how, like, um, you know, Paramount Plus uh, assaulted my childhood. And, you know, just trying to keep my expectations low. Um, didn't didn't go into this excited. Came out thinking it was pretty interesting. Not like, I, I don't love it yet or anything, but it was like, it, it was an interesting premiere. I'm not super stoked about the direction they seem to be going, but, yeah, you know, it was well done. Uh, so, let's just kind of go to the beginning, Bob. Yeah, we always got to begin in media res, Matt. Always in media res. All right, Bob, for those of us who didn't pay attention in college lit, in media res is the practice of beginning an epic or other narrative by plunging into a crucial situation that is part of a related chain of events. Yes, it's Latin for in the middle of things. Okay, see, that, yeah. I didn't know that, so I had to go Google it, but... I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad I learned something already. Thanks, Bob. Yeah. So we see a bunch of characters who we haven't seen before kind of chaotically going up to the bridge of what we later learn as the new Stargazer. And then while on the Stargazer bridge, we eventually uh, find out that they're fighting against a Borg. I think, or do we find that? At, no, I guess we don't. We find out they're fighting against a mysterious force. 
and we uh, have Picard set the self-destruct for the new Stargazer because it doesn't seem like they're going to be able to beat this mysterious force. And then we go to the opening credits, Bob, and yes, they change the opening credits, and it is nowhere okay. near as cool as last season. I, I, I mean, I guess I can't really say this because uh, I couldn't, I didn't know for sure that if they changed the opening credits. But I remember I wasn't very fond of the original opening credits either, so I, I I'm not very fond of the, these, but I wasn't very fond of the last one. So yeah, it's all the same, I guess. Last season, it was like they were building Picard; they were putting him together. Was kind of Which cool. I guess is unfortunate foreshadowing of where that season goes. Exactly. But this one, he just kind of shows up at the end sequence. Uh, it had this like James Bond type of feel. It was like Bond meets Borg. Just so in right now. Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, unfortunate. Also kind of weird considering where, I didn't see it, but where apparently the last uh, the last Bond movie went. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know where they're going with it, but. I'm uh, we'll see. But uh, I did want to point out too that this is written by Askiva Goldsman and Michael Chabon. Mm-hmm. If you remember, Bob Goldsman wrote our childhood. Yeah, I believe we deeply hated him that, if I recall correctly, because yeah. <laughs> he wrote um, he wrote two uh, awful Batman movies, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. He also um, wrote uh, Lost in Space, which was a very bad movie. And he wrote um, a very bad uh, Will Smith vehicle, iRobot. And he's uh, responsible for another eh, somewhat better, but I still don't think great Will Smith vehicle, I Am Legend. He co-wrote those two awful Dan Brown movies starring Tom Hanks. Uh, Yeah, the man's just uh, not an encouraging track record. Yeah, he's everywhere, though. Um. So we oh, he did up. the Dark Tower adaptation and uh, Ooh, Transformers: The Last. Trans- <laughs> he he wrote that, and he has a story credit on Transformers: The Last Night. Yeah, the Dark Tower thing. I did not know he wrote that. That's a horrible movie. Yeah, I think he's got a a kind of reputation as like a franchise guy, because I think they wanted to. You know, wasn't that movie? I didn't see it, but wasn't it supposed to be like? bringing the way for more movies and more TV shows in like the Dark Tower universe. Oh yeah, it was supposed to be like the the entry point for that. But yeah, that yeah. I will say um I guess we should give him some credit. So uh he's he's had a long involvement with Discovery and with Picard and then he also has a a pretty long involvement with Titans, which is kind of trash, but we both kind of like it. Yeah. And we do have some bonus episodes covering the Titans, so yeah, people should out. check those out. Those are good episodes. I think it's just two, but they're good episodes. So this, once we get past all the, the, the intro credits and stuff, we, we hear some music, Bob. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, by uh, beloved New Orleans soul singer Irma Thomas. Uh, it's, I would say, the superior version of the song Time is on My Side. Uh, there's also a famous Rolling Stones version, but always, always nice to hear Irma. Uh, that was good. Uh, I felt this was like an interesting needle drop considering this season is going to deal with time travel if like the season previews to be believed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the season preview and the end, the end of the season to some extent. Yeah. And then while we listen to Irma sing about how time is on her side. Um, oh, actually I was going to ask, did you ever see the John Goodman Denzel Washington movie fallen? No, I have not seen that. 
uh, it's a kind of cool movie. It's not like amazing or anything, but it's kind of cool movie about like, I kind of like uh, Twin Peaks, like serial killer spirit that like jumps from body to body. And the way, you know, it's taken over the new host is that when he's in the new host, he'll start singing time is on my side. Oh, that's, it's pretty creepy. That is very like, creepy. Yes. Like the opening scene is like him dying in a, in a electric chair singing time is on my side. And then in the climax, uh, like Denzel Washington is the good guy and John Goodman is his partner. Uh, the, the spirit jumps into John Goodman and he kind of goes into Barton Fink mode and starts singing time is on my side. It's a really cool scene. All right. Sorry. I, that, that was such a fun memory that I, I, I derailed the transition. <laughs> so, uh, but what, while we listen to time is on my side um we get to see a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, agriculture as it's practiced in the early 25th century we watch a, we watch as a transporter technology picks grapes off the vine and as transporter technology puts labels on wine bottles yeah and they're able to edit those bottles like instantaneously it was kind of cool i don't know if you noticed that yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, those, there, there were two people over there that had like this, like a, uh, like a, this overlay, and they were able to like alter what it looked like, and it altered all the bottles at the same time. Cool. <laughs> I just thought it was awesome. How it, it, it's just an industrial use of the, of the transporter, which we don't usually see. Usually, we just see it, you know, getting one a person from point A to point B. Whereas this is using that same technology in a different way that I feel would make. Would, all, would probably be just as beneficial. Oh, if not more. Yeah. 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 I, on the one hand, like it is really cool to see industrial applications of things like replicators or uh, transporters. On the other hand, something about this scene kind of annoyed me. I can't really like put my finger on it precisely, but I, it, something about it annoyed me. It kind of looked like a commercial for like something. I think that's probably yeah. why. <laughs> it's like, are they, are, are they putting out Chateau Picard uh, Vino as like a commercial tie-in to the show, maybe? Yeah, that's, that, <laughs> I think that's probably why you had the little groan there. Um, yeah. So I was confused at first. I, I thought that Laris, uh, who is Picard's Romulan housekeeper, I thought her husband, Zabin, had been killed by the Zat Vash in the season one. But no, he he wasn't killed by the Zatvash. He just died apparently of natural causes in between season one and season two. And so that first season of Picard was twenty three ninety nine, and this is year the year twenty four oh one, apparently. Yeah, I thought I'd miss something too. I'm sure there's gonna be like a comic book or a uh, some kind of tie in novel that will cover the details of what happened to him. Um but do you think in this scene, this is the scene, like, it's pretty much the opening scene. Do you think Picard mm. was really going to, like, kiss Loris? I, I mean, it didn't seem like Picard had the energy or, or the will to do it. <laughs> so he, it seems like even though he's got this fresh android body, which weirdly isn't mentioned at, at all, really. Well, I guess it's alluded to by Gerardi at one point. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that towards the end of this episode, Bob, but... Uh... Yeah, I, it, it's weird. Like I just figured he would give her. Well, and that's that's what I that's what I said at the time. Granted, we weren't doing a podcast then, so we can't check the tapes and vindicate me. But I was uh, complaining to my friends at the time about that thing, and it's like you know, damn and good and well that they're never going to mention this again. That it should. <laughs> this is just a weird way to get like, oh, we get to kill Picard and then we get to resurrect him, but then we never have to deal yeah. with it. It's yeah. very annoying. Um. Well, then we get a flashback scene 
to Picard and his mother, Yvette. Yeah, which I guess is the first time we've ever seen Yvette uh, on screen. We've seen pictures of her, but we've never seen her portrayed by an actress before. Yeah, I got like super Batman Begins vibes from the scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that wasn't like, I don't, does Picard really need a traumatic childhood? It, I mean, I don't think so. The whole like look up thing, like the look up, that's, I feel like that was that was also repeated at the end of the episode with the Borg Queen, you know, that's yeah, yeah. the transition we get to the, to the to what elements have happened. But I, yeah, it just reminded me of Batman Begins when uh Thomas Wayne comes down to rescue Bruce from the cave. He's like, why do we always fall down so that we can pick ourselves back up? Had that same energy. I was like, eh. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I get that like these childhood memories are supposed to like speak to like deep aspects of our psychology, but man, I don't know. I, maybe I've just watched too much stuff and I'm too cynical, but like it doesn't work on me. I have a hard time imagining it working on other people. Yeah. But after this flashback and all this good stuff, we find out that uh, there's a spatial anomaly, Bob. Uh, yeah, man. What did, what did you think about the spatial anomaly? Were you excited? Yeah. Were you were you surprised? I'm like, what else are they going to do, Bob? What else What else could possibly go? Oh, we need another spatial anomaly. Yeah, yeah. So there's some theories, Matt, that this spatial anomaly is going to be the beginning of an epic crossover event between... Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Lower Decks, Star Trek Prodigy, and uh, hell, Star Trek Strange New Worlds too. You wanna you wanna weigh in on that theory that this season is gonna be the the Doctor Strange into the multiverse of madness, but for Star Trek? Oh man, I hope not. I yeah, hope it sounds not. it sounds Please fucking God, awful, no. doesn't it? <laughs> like I really hope God, I don't no. there. I don't want to see animated Picard, like serious animated Picard on Lower Decks. What, you don't want to see live-action uh, shitty kid from Prodigy? Oh, Pro yeah, I don't Dahl, want to see anything is that his name? Yeah, I don't want to see Doll from Prodigy. <laughs> I don't want them to try to make uh, make animated characters realist. No. God. <laughs> I mean, that's, I, that's, I, what Star Wars, that's what Star Wars has done, so Star Trek has got to copy it. I know, but God, please don't. <laughs> don't don't put yeah. that out there. I don't, I don't think that's true, but oh God, if it is, that would be yeah. so horrendous. Well, to a happier subject, although only marginally, we see that Eleanor is now the first full Romulan cadet, which is nice. On the other hand, it's a little depressing that it's taken this long, especially given that like Romulan refugees have been a thing in the Federation for quite a while now. I can't remember exactly how long, but the, the vibe I got from Picard season one was Romulans have been refugees in the Federation for a long time. So I, I, sorry that I'm swearing a lot this episode, but honestly, it's kind of fucked up that they haven't had a Romulan in Starfleet before Elnor. Yeah. I was, I was a little confused by that because I figured there would have been, but I mean, it, it's cool that it's Elnor. At least then you have a, a character you can connect with from the previous season, but it made me wonder though, you know, they had Star Trek online and I'm curious if you could actually play as a Romulan cadet for the Federation on that. Yeah. Although I don't know much about STO, but isn't it a wholly different timeline from this? Uh, that's that's the thing about Picard, Bob. Picard has brought, has brought a lot of stuff into canon from that game, which makes some people kind of thinking, or some people are starting to think that maybe it's supposed to fit in. Oh, uh, I thought regular. I thought I, I don't know that much about it, but I, I just thought it had gone in some 
pretty dramatic directions that would somewhat like in terms of interstellar politics that would somewhat contradict where Picard as a show is at. Gotcha. I, it's possible. I, I don't know. I, I played it probably five years ago for about for maybe a year and mm. it was, it's not a very fun game in my opinion, just mm. cause I can't get into those. I can I can only do so much of those like that online stuff, but is it, it like a, is it like a massive multiplayer online game or what yes. playing game or however you call that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's an MMO and, you go around, there's there's just a combination of, like, ship battles and away team battles and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it's, it's World of Warcraft. Sounds like too many battles. Like it's Star a lot Trek of, yeah, yeah, you're, you're I mean, I guess for battling. a video game, you need it, but, like, Star Trek shouldn't be that battle. And, and that's why I didn't play it as long as I probably could have, had there been more, like, involved, you know, it, more political intrigue and fun stuff like that involved that mm-hmm. you actually can manipulate as a character and not just, you know, fire phasers at things. Yeah, yeah. You, more, you, uh, you're nostalgic for that Star Trek 35th anniversary game or 25th anniversary game. Yeah, yeah, that was, was. A good, that was a good game. Yeah, that, that, and that actually is, game. that is actually like, if you ask any Star Trek fan, that game is actually like their number one pick for any, ask oh, anyone. really? Bob. Yes, there's oh, not wow. been a game like that since, uh, you know, since then. Uh, oh, that's, that's usually, depressing. That's most Star Trek fans like number one video game. What you, but people don't love that uh, Voyager game where you like become Tuvok's like special operations force. <laughs> no, uh, there's a, there's even a DS9 <laughs> game where you bet it's it's pretty much the same thing. You're just like running around a Cisco yeah, shooting a phaser. I tried it's, to play that and on a on an emulator, and either the emulator was broken, the game is impossibly hard, or I'm stupid, or some combination <laughs> of all three. <laughs> um, yeah, but, yeah, I, I I didn't get very far with Tears of the Prophets or whatever the hell that DS9 yeah, game was called. Was a, yeah, but, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm just I'm, but going back to the to the subject of this episode, I'm just curious how much uh, how much of the Star Trek Online stuff because we see a lot of the ship classes. And we'll get to this later, but some yeah. of the ship classes. I think I are, had seen something about that. Yeah, yeah, are, were only mentioned before in Star Trek Online. So yeah, I just think they I think STO did a lot of things with like you know, specific historical events have happened and that the the Federation and the Alpha and Beta Quadrant are a lot more unstable in the early 25th and late 24th century. So there's occasions for a lot more battles. And I just, yeah, I wonder if all that stuff could fit into what Picard has done. But maybe maybe it could. I'm, I'm, I don't know that for sure. So after we leave... While we're tangenting, okay. Matt, while we're tangenting, Matt, I thought about it as well. Go ahead and raise this question. Um, do you have any thoughts about Seven of Nine and the Fenris Rangers uh, since in between watching Picard Season 1 and Season 2, we've both gotten into Babylon 5 and we podcast about it, which people should listen to, Babylon 5 versus DS9? Yeah, so for clarification, like a ranger is just like a vigilante type that is used to portray... They're usually portrayed like a positive light. They're on the side of the good. Kind of like Power Rangers, right? Like, is that is that uh, what a ranger not always? Because really like the 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 Texas Rangers are, I believe, were a pretty famous like state backed force. Although I think they acted with a lot more um, independence than state militias or state armies or state police forces usually get got in the nineteenth century. And you know they did a lot of genocide against uh, Chicanos and Comanche and other other people of color in Texas. Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of cool because it gives it gives uh, seven and nine like some action type scenes and really, Jerry Ryan seems to be good at that kind of stuff. Like maybe she's like an action, 
store type per, like, yeah maybe maybe there's a parallel universe where since the end of voyager we just get a long series of direct-to-dvd action movies starring uh, jerry ryan exactly yeah yes i feel like that's where she fits in yeah i don't know maybe the comment even though i brought up the texas rangers maybe the common source of this is i think lord of the rings because isn't aragon some sort of stupid ranger in that yes he's a ranger yes and ranger i think that is might also be like the comments yeah, Ranger's yeah. also like a class type in several things. So I'm thinking Ranger oh, was probably yeah, like, like yeah. D and D. Yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. So But yeah, I don't know. It does make me I, I didn't have any real affection for the Fenris Rangers in season one of Picard, and I still don't really feel like we know very much about them at all, other than Seven of Nine is one. But I will say my deep distaste for Lord of the Rings. Yeah, fuck you, Alan and Noah. And my uh, distaste for the Rangers in Babylon 5 uh, doesn't really positively incline me towards the Fenris Rangers in Star Trek Picard Season 2. <laughs> yeah, and Seven of Nine is apparently hanging out with, like, the Rios uh, hologram. Yeah, but she merged them all together into one. It, I, I thought that's what the dialogue was saying. Yes. It, it, I was that's cool sad. about this. That was the coolest stuff. Yeah, that, that sucks. Was like, that was so awesome yeah. in the first season. When if you're listening to Paramount, too. fix that mess. We yeah, want separate hollow pe- personalities for Rios. If people don't remember, like Rios on his ship, the um, had you know holograms to do the different functions, and each hologram, uh, you know, was dressed in a different uniform and spoke a different language, and it was very fun. Yeah. They better bring that mess back and soon. Yeah, I don't, like why? Why would you get rid of that? That was one of the very cool. That well, was one of the very few authentically cool things about Picard season one. But once we realize that's a hollow, though, Bob, we we get a shot with Rios chomping on a cigar on the bridge of the new Stargazer. Yeah, yeah, that was actually really cool. I Rios as a captain enjoying his cigar, having a lighter, uh, sitting on the Stargazer. I really enjoyed that. Um, I also really appreciated that the new Stargazer uh, is a quad nacelle ship, like uh, Picard's old Stargazer uh, was. So that was great. Yeah, did you catch that? Uh, Rios says "make it so" at one point. <laughs> Doesn't he say it in Spanish? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't catch that because I I don't understand Spanish, but I then saw that he had, I saw somebody say that he had said it in Spanish. Yeah, that's awesome. Um and then I should speak we, Spanish. It's embarrassing that I don't, but I don't. And then we find out that Elnor and Musiker are assigned to the new Excelsior. So Yeah, yeah. A lot of tributes. There's also a ship named the Hikaru Sulu. I believe there's a ship named the Griscom after the ship from uh, Star Trek 3 The Search for Spock. So a lot of a lot of little homages and Eleanor gets so it's not a it wasn't graduation, right? It was just Picard giving a guest lecture. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, it was a little I was a little confused about that. But Picard gifts uh, Spock's memoirs to Eleanor, which, you know, kind of felt like a graduation present, but wasn't. Yeah, this episode, though, Bob, you just mentioned all the ships. This is just ship porn for anyone that's into that thing. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, that was that was fun. I enjoyed all the ships, especially the quad nacelle stargazer. And we revisit uh, Gerardi and Soji. They're hanging out with some Deltons. Uh, Gerardi's getting her drink on, 
and she gets called up to the Stargazer uh, to assist Rios on this mission to investigate the spatial anomaly. We get to see drunk Jurati running over the Stargazer bridge. Uh, that that was really fun. I, I really liked Jurati in uh, season one, and she was really great in this premiere. It was it was good stuff. And the Deltons are that same species that uh, the character from Star Trek the movie, the motion picture. Yeah, uh, uh, Ilya, I believe. Yeah, or Ilana, yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, so they're very not- sexual. They're creatures. bald and they're yeah notorious for being very horny. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. So, so then we go, we cut to a scene where Picard decides to visit. Guinan. Is that how you say it? Guinan Gunan? I can't remember. Guinan. 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 Decides to visit Guinan at the 10. Did you catch this? The name of the bar was the 10, and it was on Ford Street. Oh, man. Yeah, I caught it. I caught it. I was a little disappointed because, for whatever reason, because we know that there's like a dystopian future coming from the commercials. Right. And I thought it would be kind of funny because, you know, we, t- we covered this on DS9 versus Babylon 5 that the kind of founding event for the Federation is the bell riots, which kind of, you know, puts in motion like a social revolution that brings about, uh, you know, uniting earth and a more just social system. And we know that Ben Sisko was instrumental in that, but I had kind of, for whatever kind of random reason, I was really hoping that Picard would go like, since he was in San Francisco for the Starfleet Academy, go visit like a bell riot memorial. But no, no, he's actually not in San Francisco. He's in L.A. on 10 Forward Street visiting Guinan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is Guinan the most forgettable TNG character, Bob? Um, no, I probably not, because uh, there's other, I know there are other characters uh, from TNG I have actually forgotten, but I don't think she's that great. Um, I mean, no offense to Whoopi Goldberg. Um, I know she's become a controversial figure recently. Um, no offense to her. I, I don't know. She doesn't do much for me. I was always kind of confused with the trajectory, like, was Whoopi Goldberg famous when she was cast as Guinan or did she like get famous after she'd been cast as Guinan, but during the run of next generation? She was famous. She was, she was doing a lot of different things at that, at the time when she was on next generation. So it was just part of her career at that point. Okay. Cause she was she, I don't think she was in that many episodes of next gen. She really wasn't. I remember her more from Generations, honestly. Yeah, they really emphasized her a lot in Generations. I think partially because it was a movie and Whoopi is a movie star. So they kind of had to go, you know, they kind of used her for that. Well, if you ever want to see Whoopi Goldberg at her best, Bob, you need to watch Theodore Rex. Okay, I guess she she would have already been pretty famous because she... Her first big movie uh, was The Color Purple in 85. Right. Yeah, which is a good movie. Yeah, and then she was in Sister Act and all those, like, several other, like, comedies. Well, Sister Act was, like, near the end of Next Gen. Like, because Next Gen, I think, ends in 94, and Sister Act is 92. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, she was doing Sister Act and TNG at the same time. And then, did she have much of a TV career? Um, 
No, she didn't have that much of a TV career before Next Gen. Oh, well, she was in more than we think. She was in 28 episodes of Next Generation from 98, or excuse me, from 88 to 93. So, Bob, did the color purple make Whoopi famous, or did TNG make Whoopi famous? Uh, definitely the color purple means she was already famous. I wonder if she wasn't famous for stuff before the color purple. Did Theodore Rex make her famous, Bob? I don't know. It looks like, if I had to guess, I would say it was the color purple made her famous. Yeah. And then The View. Did The View make her famous, Bob? Uh, the View, I think we, you would say, has made her infamous. It's kept her relevant, I think. It has kept her relevant. Infamously relevant. Yeah. Did you think it was like necessary for them to explain why, uh, why Guinan aged? No, not really. It was kind of weird. It didn't yeah. fully make sense. <laughs> I... They yeah. didn't need to go into it, frankly, because I, I think like it's pretty well established that like El Orens are long lived, but I think Guinan is closer to the end of her life than the beginning of her life. Yeah. So it would make sense for you know her to as a her to age relatively as the actress ages. So yeah, no, there was no real need to do that. I don't think. The only thing I really enjoyed uh, from this guy in a Picard scene, which I really didn't, I, I also thought it was kind of lame for Picard to go to Guinan to get like relationship advice. Yeah. Like he can't just go to see his old friend, like doing it like, oh man, I, there's this Romulan chick and she's hot, but man, I'm just so old and tired and I can't pull the trigger. <laughs> um, that was great. In the heart dialogue. Oh God. Yeah. The heart, yeah. Whether it be real or machine. Ugh. Or synthetic. Uh, I was like, ah, uh, so bad. Ugh. But the the one thing I did like was the Saurian bottle of brandy. I always love that design of like the curved neck of the Saurian brandy bottle. And so they get their drink on with the Saurian brandy bottle. So she brought up the Bell Riots. Are we going to get a cameo from Cisco? Um, I, on the one hand, it would be fun if we did. On the other hand, I kind of hope no. On the other hand, if this, you know, mega crossover through the spatial anomaly theory is true, probably they're going to go for the new stuff rather than the old stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, if we do see Cisco, is he going to be de-aged? Is he going to be CGI? Um, well, I mean, I would say you just treat him like a normal human being who's aged. <laughs> but given but given this, uh, this episode's obsession with uh, Whoopi Goldberg and John Delancey aging, uh, probably there has to be an awkward, uh, not very well done dialogue scene about it. The only reason I have any, like, uh, there, there are any hits towards DS9 is that you see that tablet in Picard's study is from The Reckoning. Mm-hmm. It's right there in the middle of the scene. So I'm like, they're, they're going to do something with DS9, I feel Wait, like. Wait, what? The tablet. I don't know what you're talking about. There's a tablet in Picard's study. They're sitting there and they're talking. I think when he's talking to the... Uh, to the Admiral about yeah. to go on the mission. Um, if you look uh-huh. at the, right there, like where the coffee table is, is the tablet from the episode, the reckoning DS nine. What is the, the reckoning. episode? The reckoning. It's where like the, uh, there's like a, there's like some Bajoran tablet thing that like breaks in two. And I think it releases the paw rates or something like that. Oh, is that the one that's like the end of season six where yes. there's like, a weird okay yeah okay. it's right there in the middle of the table. huh and you're like uh what's that that, doing that there? seems more like it's just a a, a prop but may, i don't know history. maybe they actually are teasing it then 
I didn't realize that yet. It seems more like an Easter egg than a tease, but maybe it's really a tease. Um, That fleet admiral who does come to visit Picard, uh, it's the same actress as a transporter chief on Next Gen. Uh, Different different character, but same actress. They should have just had her, like, rank up and be like, say, I went from a transporter chief. Yeah, it'd be kind of funny. She'd gone from, like, you know, chief petty officer to fleet admiral. (laughs) Pretty cool. She did what O'Brien couldn't do. Yeah. All right, so Picard decides yeah he's gonna go, and he takes a shuttle and he gets on the Stargazer. Uh, yeah, yeah. And there were some funny lines like uh, him describing the Stargazer bridge as certainly sleeker made me laugh. And then I do I, I believe if I'm remembering right, Gerardi compliments Picard for looking absolutely positronic, which is a kind of funny <laughs> joke. Um, but I do kind of wish Stig- uh, Picard had made a comment about how ridiculously dark the bridge of the Stargazer is. Yeah. Do you like the design of the bridge? Uh, I So it's not a big stumbling block for me, but I think it's a little dumb in how like dark and big and full of steps it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, I yeah, like, and it's huge. also just like very it, yeah. It's very much like the movies and like the new Star Trek shows type bridge, and you know I like again. It's not a major stumbling block for me. I, I'm not that sore about it, but my preference is like more simpler stuff, like the next gen bridge or the Voyager bridge. So uh, we did skip a little thing here, though. The reason that Picard is wanting to is needed on the Stargazer is because they received a message from what they believe to be the Borg, and they would like to join the Federation, and they only want to talk to Picard. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so there we call Picard the emissary. The emissary, and <laughs> we get all of these ships that come to like support the Stargazer. Uh, I guess I guess to prepare just in case the Borg do decide to do some you know some pew pew. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I got real Wolf three five nine vibes from it. Yeah, I I kind of was getting uh, the Battle of Binary Stars from the Disco uh, season or series premiere. Yeah. You kind of got the sense that like maybe it's a bad idea for all the ships to mass right outside the subspace <laughs> anomaly. Maybe they should spread out a little like in waves or rows. Yeah. doesn't make for as good ship porn, but um, yeah. you kind of wonder because the impression you get from that climax is that the queen is hacked into both the stargazer and the rest of the fleet. Yeah. So it's like, maybe if you'd spread out a little more, maybe that would have been a little more difficult for her. Yeah. I've always liked that pop in sound though. They make when they exit. Oh, that's a cool sound. Battle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah really th- cool in this, in this, of course, this scene is where like all the ship enthusiasts are, you know, like skeet skeet, just excited about it. <laughs> so, were you surprised that we went ahead and got all the way to the cliffhanger of the opening scene by the end of the episode? I kind of thought that might be like, you know, oh, we might have to wait the entire season for it. <laughs> I, I, I really, I really wasn't surprised because it, I think at the beginning, didn't I just say it was a couple of days before? So I figured they weren't gonna drag this out too long. Okay, fair enough. I, th- I think it's a like one, I think it's a is a twenty four forty eight hours. 48 hours. Yeah. So I think it's. I, fi- I figured a whole season wasn't just gonna be forty eight hours. But um, I, I did you did, what did you think about the like the design of the Borg? I guess it's the Borg Queen. We don't really know for sure. Reminded me of Doctor Octopus. Yeah i I was getting more like almost Cybermen or Dalek vibes from Doctor Who, although I yeah, couldn't I really pin that. it down because I'm not 
I'm not super familiar with Doctor Who, but I like the connection you made to Doc Ock. Um, you know, basically it is like the Borg Queen is like Lady Ock from the 90s Spider-Man comics. So I enjoyed that. Um, the visor, the kind of opaque visor over her face was pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering if, uh, I was kind of waiting for that to, her to like open up and show who was beneath it, but it's probably going to be later. Is it going to be season. Janeway? It's going to be somebody that we don't expect. Oh, I, isn't that the voice of the Borg Queen from the first contact? I mean, we've seen images of the Borg Queen, yes, like okay. in, in, in preview content and stuff. Yeah, but like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I have a feeling they're going with something else. Cause so potentially this is a new Borg Queen with a different strategy for the Borg who, like, maybe Picard has to support the old Borg Queen against the new one or something? Possibly, yes. That That's just... That's just, I mean, that's all speculation, but it's just weird they cover her face if they're not trying to yeah. hide something. Why wouldn't they just show? I thought, I more just interpreted it as like cool new design, but you might be right. So are you on seven side when it comes to not trusting the Borg, Bob? Uh, I'm not. So I, I don't think I'm on either side in the debate, but I think I am on the side of like being cautious about the Borg and again, not massing all of your ships right <laughs> on. Um, and like, you know, yeah, I, I think you should try to learn what the Borg are up to. You should try to feel them out. You know, you should weigh what they say carefully. But I think you should also be, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not opposed to the Borg joining the Federation, but I think you should also be very suspicious of the Borg. Yeah, I would be extremely suspicious and probably wouldn't just be like, you know, ready to join. It'd be odd. They're just like, we want to join the Federation now. Let us. I mean, there is a certain symmetry to it that makes sense. Like given their sort of like assimilationist mindset, like, okay, we're not, it's not working on our own anymore. Let's try something else. You could even do it like, oh, we admired what, what seven did when she joined the Voyager crew sort of thing. So uh, my thing too is with this anomaly, if this is, they say it's a space anomaly, but it probably could be a time anomaly. And there's a good chance these Borg are probably from like the far future. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, that like, you know, like could, we're another, yeah. another ship we know about is in the far future. Oh God. And maybe, <laughs> maybe they're even causing a certain anomaly that is currently threatening earth and Navarre huh. in the far future. Possibly. Bob. That, that, I, I'm caught up on Discovery and you're not, and that doesn't seem to be the way that Discovery is going. Okay. Yeah. I'm just there's saying. Still it's, like, it's, there's still like maybe two episodes or three episodes left of Discovery. That doesn't seem to be the direction they're going. I mean, you, you've got new looking Borg ships, weird looking Borg Queen. It just seems like it's a. It's futuristic, maybe. Well, and there also was the whole, the whole thing with the spear in season two of Discovery that like seemed like it was going to tie into the Borg and then kind of thankfully didn't, but maybe right. still will. Yeah. So Picard self-destructs the Stargazer and then we, you know, cut to white and then um, we hear, we, 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 there's a reveal of Q, okay? Yeah, yeah. It was an interesting reveal. So clearly Picard is in, some different, more militant timeline. He has a synthoid uh, servant or slave named Harvey, I believe. Yeah. And uh, yeah, then Q shows up. I mean, it's always nice to see John Delancey. 
That said, uh, dear God, I fucking hate people quoting Robert Frost. I really wish they hadn't done that. <laughs> yeah, would the Q reveal have been better had they actually like waited and not heavily advertised it for almost two years? Um, yes, but I don't know if waiting was an option because I think enough people were cranky about season one that they needed to sell season two as going into a different direction with Q to get people interested. Yeah, I did appreciate the... Uh... The DH, I like how they did the DHQ turning into the old Q with a snap, and that was kind yeah, of a quick that thing. was fine. But like the stupid thing was that in combination with that conversation with Guinan, it cheapened it. If they just done that independently, it would have worked a right. lot better. I agree. Um, so this this fits in what you just mentioned a moment ago. But did you find it odd that like there was no mention of Picard's Andrew Android body from season one? There was a joke yeah, other about than Girardi's joke about right. uh, the Positrona. Yeah, there was yeah. a joke about the death of Brad Maddox, Bruce Maddox, Bruce Maddox. Sorry, not Brad. Brad Maddox is a wrestler. Bruce Maddox. <laughs> Everybody, yeah. uh, everybody's back on starships and in uniform. That was really strange. Yeah, because yeah. I was just like everybody has joined Starfleet except for Seven of Nine. <laughs> yeah, Seven of Nine's a badass ranger, still doing her thing. Picard was back at the chateau. I, did it feel like last season didn't yes. even happen? And like any yes. TNG fan right now could just jump on to Picard season two and be fine. Like there's nothing yeah. you're missing. Yeah. That's what was so annoying about them claiming that there's some sort of three season plan when clearly there's not like the events of the first season don't seem to matter very much to the second season at all. I mean, the it, the first season did establish these random characters, and I like these random characters quite a bit, like uh, Rafi and uh, Rios and Girardi and even Soji and Elnor are interesting characters. I just, they don't, you know, they, it could be any Star Trek crew, though. It doesn't, you know, like, it, I don't know. There's nothing that specific about it so far. I still think they missed their opportunity and just should have had Picard die in season one and then named the ship Picard. Yeah, yeah. I I would I kind of would like to see like what this group of characters would do in a different story situation without Picard because I think on the whole it's a much stronger group of characters than the cast of Discovery. So, I don't know. Well, don't worry cuz soon we may be able to see the cast of Discovery and this crew working together. Yeah. And the cast the of Prodigy, and the cast of Lower Decks, <laughs> and the cast of Strange New World, and the cast of the Section 31 show. It's all coming together, baby. All right. Well, you got any uh, predictions for other people they'll bring back since they've kind of, I assume they're holding other people in reserve since they kind of led with both Guinan and Q and the Borg Queen in this episode? I think that we are going to see the Bell Riots. And I think we're going to see Cisco. I would like to see the Bell Riots, but I don't think we are. I think we're, I think we're just kind of in that headspace because we had such fun talking about the Bell Riots. Uh, no, I think we're going to see it, and I think we're going to see how they did uh, the DS9 episode with the Tribbles. Same oh. Uh, I'm serious. That, uh, that could be good, but it doesn't sound promising. I will say, again, not to make this a political show, but I really think it's cringy how in the preview material they're talking about how they're they're in the year 2024. 
like with like <laughs> this, you know, an obvious kind of like election commentary to that. Yeah. And you know, I I'm not a conservative, I'm not a liberal, I'm something else, but I think that sucks. Like it, it's just it's stupid. It sucks. What do you think there's anyone that you uh, think they're hiding in the wings, Bob? They're going to bring back or I think they're hiding us? someone in the wings, but I don't know who it is. Um I would be pretty surprised if we didn't see one or two more next-gen cast members this season, not necessarily in major roles, but yeah, just in, in yeah, small guest appearances. And I do kind of wonder if they're going to maybe bring somebody more from DS9, which has kind of been the red-headed uh, stepchild of the franchise so far, or of Voyager. Um, although Voyager's being pretty well served by Seven being here and then Janeway and Chakotay being in Prodigy. So I don't know that they necessarily have to go in that direction. Yeah, I'm telling you, they're going to have to go in the DS9 direction if they're going for nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does seem like they... I, it's, it does seem kind of weird, like, all this talk of, like, Picard and romance and no direct mention of Beverly Crusher. I mean, not that... I'm not sore about it. I'm not a huge Beverly Crusher fan, but it does seem a little weird that no direct reference of her. So maybe they're holding her back given that it seems like, you know, this, the theme of this season is second chances and it's, you know, all about like Picard, you know, being reluctant to, to hook up with Laris. Didn't she have like some new, uh, they recorded some lines with her though for, uh, that, prodigy episode. oh yeah for prodigy they did so do that yeah there's a good chance that she probably could appear then because that's which great. was so weird she was the only living actor in that scene that was so cringy <laughs> All right. that was so cringy and well, it, it, and people it, it, on twitter thought it was great they thought it this is just fine it's not really weird it's not creepy at all it's fine it's great it was super weird if you want to hear more of our opinion on that, you should check out uh, some of our older episodes on Star Trek Prodigy. But there probably won't be any more, because I think Prodigy has broken both of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, it's uh, been a long, strange, strange trip uh, through this uh, Star Trek Season 2 Picard premiere. Um, I guess maybe we'll try to check in, hopefully, with shorter episodes um, for each episode, maybe we'll try that. Although if we get kind of bored or we don't think the episodes will be very good, we might just try to check in like at mid season and then check out, check in on the finale. Uh, but this has been uh, Babylon five versus DS nine, the galaxy's greatest podcast about the two great 90s space station shows. But today we were talking about the star Trek Picard season two premiere. We are a part of uncanny tricks. I am Bob in Cascadia. That's Matt in the Southland. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>